Excellent. Ignition you're heading out with Lauren. There was such a purity um, to the worship and just as the voices sang how great is our God. Um, just such a purity I love. Thank you worship team for uh, leading us into uh, that moment. Um, last week we began a brand new series all about the armour of God and uh, not only did you learn that I left my, uh, actually that sounds bad, I left my wedding day, that sounds terrible, actually let me rephrase that, we left the church together, me and my bride, uh, to status quo rocking all over the world and so if you didn't know that, then listen to last week's message and you'll hear a whole lot more because hopefully more importantly than that, you learn uh, the beginnings of what we're talking about in terms of this spiritual battle that we are in and how we are victorious in that spiritual battle. That's where we ended last week. Um, So I'm going to hand over to Mark this morning, who is sharing, and I'm not going to give him a big intro, but you know Mark, you love Mark. So let's just give him a massive round of applause as he comes to share the word this morning. Thanks, everybody. Bless you this morning. Um, I'd just like to commit this to the Holy Spirit because it's his meeting not not ours thank you Lord I just pray Holy Spirit that you um, consume us with your love this morning I thank you for the grace that you've bestowed on me father to be able to stand up here Um, and I don't want it to be my words I want it to be my thoughts but filled with your uh, hope your um, intentions and your purposes for us. So, uh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, um, the last time I got up, I never even got this far before I was a bit of a a snotty wreck, so I've done well this time. Um, It's a real joy, Sunday mornings, because I meet you a lot. Um, And it's a real treat to look into your faces, look into your eyes, and uh, see that growing relationship you have with God and how we gel hopefully so well together as a congregation occasionally when I've got a little bit too exuberant on the drums and I get off and I walk down that aisle more often than not I can be a little bit inappropriate Um, poor Phil Tambor a few weeks ago I kissed him on the head Um, and then you think oh dear you know where there should be some lines I suppose Um, so beware (laughs) Because I might come down this aisle today. (laughs) But um, I wanted to start... Now, I've got to put my glasses on occasionally. I do get criticised for putting them on and off. Um, These were used to great effect last weekend. Um, The family was away on my son John's 40th birthday. And we had a fancy dress, and I was Austin Powers. (laughs) Now... That's where the similarity ends, just on the title, because obviously um, he doesn't have a beard. Um, I did have a purple suit on, but um, I hope you don't ever see the pictures of what that looks like. (laughs) So what I'd like to do, and please, this isn't just going off doing something that completely irrelevant. What I would like to do is do a very short quiz. Now, I don't need you to give me the answers. I'd just like to th- you to think about the answers because we will come back to it later, okay? Now, this is deemed as the it's easiest quiz in the world, okay? So I'm gonna read you with glasses, 10 questions, and I just want you to think about what the answers are, okay? So question one. Which country, sorry, how long 
did the Hundred Years' War last? Okay, question one. Question two, which country makes Panama hats? Question three, where do we get catgut? Question four, in which month do Russians celebrate the October Revolution? What is a camel's hair brush made of? Number six, the Canary Islands in the Atlantic are named after which animal? Number seven, what was King George VI's first name? Eight, what color is the purple finch? Number nine, which country do Chinese gooseberries come from? And number 10, how long did the 30 years war last? So all will be revealed later when we get to a particular point in this chat, okay? If you really are that, you cannot contain yourself because you think there's a big prize at the end of it, please, because there's order in church, right? Don't run to the front and try and claim the first prize. Just contain yourself. So we started, Pastor Steve started last week about um, the armor of God, gave the overview. Uh, and I'm going to talk specific on truth and righteousness. Um, now, it's important to put things into context, isn't it? And we've got to know why we're doing all this. And the Bible has three, I'm sure it has a thousand, but it has three very fundamental purposes and principles. It allows God to communicate who he is to us, to declare his goodness, his love, holiness, and faithfulness to it. We all agree that the Bible does that? Um, in 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, it says it's for reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. So it's meant to do us good. And thirdly, it allows us to come in alignment with who we are created to be. God did not just think, oh, that miserable bunch of sinners, I'll do them a favor and just won't send them to hell, I'll let them go to heaven. He didn't do that. He had a purpose for us before the foundations of the earth. And it was lost. And it broke his heart because we're made in his image. And he had to restore that. And that is outworked through the Bible. It's a story of love. Okay? So quite often, 1 Corinthians 13... I didn't have time to double-check because it might have been 12. But I think 1 Corinthians 13 is the one they use at weddings. You know, um, and it talks about high-sounding symbols, but if you have n not love, you've got nothing. So everything in those respects revolves around love, God's love to us and our love towards God. It doesn't matter how much we know of the Bible. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how passionately we de defend what we believe in. Standing on a soapbox, waving flags, shouting at people who, d who are not following what you think they should do counts for nothing if it's not done in love. So when we talk about the armour of God, I don't want you to forget that because it's about love. The other thing is, of course, love is an act of worship. 
present your bodies, Romans 12, 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is reasonable service or worship. We're meant to die to self. So in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven to 40, I will have got a few I will read. Oh dear, what was that? That's the clock. I've got two minutes left. That can't be right. Oh well, you'll have to give me a dirty look. Um, 22, 37 to 40. It says... Um, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. It's about love. So when we're looking at the armor of God, we're not looking about how we can have a good scrap. Okay. It's about love. So, it's also about contentment, because if we are secure and safe, as Ellie mentioned about identity, we can only really outwork a love relationship with God if we know who we are. And Paul had so many things going wrong in his life, misunderstood like Jesus, beaten unto death, almost stoned, put in prison, yet in Philippians 4, 11 to 13... He lived in contentment because he knew the Father, and through the works of Christ, he was able to outwork his his faith. And you know, and then, and when you've got that, and you've got that contentment, you haven't got strife, you haven't got tension, and you can operate in love because there's you haven't got challenging. You know, when it says love. God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself. There's not a lot of room for being me, 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 is there? So again, we'll look at how that out works. And I want to get to a point in a minute, and I'll be moving on to it now, because we're, we're going to be talking about Ephesians, book of Ephesians generally, specifically Ephesians 6. But I want to give a little bit of background to Ephesus. Um, Steve touched on it last week, and I just want to look at it. Ephesus was a multicultural city on the coast of southwestern Turkey today, Asia Minor as was. It had a lot of Greek influence, a lot of Roman influence, a lot of Eastern influence, maybe as far as China, um, India. Um, Jewish culture were brought in because of the, you know, when they were all sent out, um, the diaspora, they were all spread all over the place. Synagogues were set up. So there was a real mix. And then you got these Christians coming in and messing it all up because they basically said all of the rest is wrong to one degree or another. Um, the city was a free city. It meant that they could have their own governorship. They didn't need the Romans to be really on their backs all the time. Um, they had what used to be one of the ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, or as also Diana, which was a massive temple. Um, it wasn't the place that probably we would have visited as Christians. Um, it had... Outside, there would be temple prostitutes. You know, you think temple and prostitutes don't seem to work too well together, but nevertheless, that was the Greek and Roman influences at the time. So you think to yourself, well, well, that's then. It's nothing like this today. Really? You know, I mean, it's shocking. So what happened in Ephesus 
is happening to us today. We've got conflicting cultures, we've got conflicting beliefs, we've got a challenge to our identity, we've got sensuality creeping out of every spare brick that there is, and we have to contend with these things. So let's just have a look at what the Bible says about Ephesus. Okay, so firstly, it's, it's four very distinct passages in the Bible about Ephesus. The first, of course, is in Acts. We know that around AD 48 to 55, Paul went to Ephesus on many occasions. He, um, he found, the first account is he found some disciples there, but they didn't even, never heard of the Holy Spirit. So there was people who were believing, but were not in fullness and power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he spoke in the synagogue for three months. And then they basically didn't want him back. Uh, so then he set up house church for two years. There was many, many miracles. The story about the use of the handkerchief, Paul laying hands on a handkerchief and it being given to people who were sick and then being healed. Um, he cast out demons, the seven sons of Sceva. They were uh, occultic practice and he came against the occult. And many, many people believed because of what Paul preached, which was Christ crucified and Christ resurrected to give us a relationship back to God. And that's the essence of what everything that we should be doing. In love, we should be telling that story. So then there, around AD 60, Paul wrote the letter to the Ephesians. Uh, this was aimed at maturing Christians. Now, he'd been there for on and off up to five years prior to that. He had established a church that probably was thriving. And now he sends this epistle to encourage them on how to grow in their faith and become mature. And chapter 6 is the one where we talk about the armor of God. So it's not just this random story. It's not an admonishment book. He, he did other letters that may be more admonishing based. It was about showing people how to live an effective and fulfilled Christian life. And in chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. He also then, a few years later, sends a letter to Timothy. Timothy was a young man, had been with Paul, and he had been sent, probably completely unprepared, because he was quite a timid young man, into a hotbed of tension in the church of Ephesus. There was lots of people contending for, well, I want to be in charge, and Taffy's sitting in my seat, what's she doing there? And all of those sort of things was going on. And, you know, then creating order and structure within the church. So, there was, so you can see how the church is evolving. It's come out of chaos. It's been established where Paul is trying to set some guidelines on Christian maturity. Then, only two years maybe later, we've got the situation where things are going a little bit wrong. Because the human nature is, you know, and we know it with Uriah Heap, don't we? come in as a nice little servant until I can get some influence and then I want to take over. And that's what was happening in the church to an extent. But this is what worried me when I looked at this. And if we go to um, Revelation 2, chapters 2 to 4, chapter 2, sorry, verse 2 to 4. And this is the, chapters 2 and 3 are about letters to the churches in Asia Minor. And the first one is Ephesus. And it says this, and I'll go from verse 2. I know your works and your labor and your patience and how you cannot bear them which are evil. 
and you have tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and have borne and have patience and for my name's sake have laboured and have not fainted. Well, they finally got it, didn't they? No. Because it says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against you. Because you have left your first love. With all that works, all that keeping control, maybe getting legalistic. They said that. They shouldn't say that. That's not in the Bible. They lost their first love. And all that stuff that was in Ephesians, the judgment on them was, remember therefore where you are fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your candlestick. Take the spirit of God away. What a shocking judgment on that church. So let's now go back to the armor of God. And say, in the light of it being about love and about identity, what are we talking about? I could have, I mean, my son John's got um, a nice big sword and he's got a Roman helmet. I could have strolled in. It would have looked a bit ridiculous because I didn't have the skirt. So um, I wouldn't have bothered doing half a job as such. But I could have told you the story about how the Roman uniform was indicative of the Christian life. And... um, but I don't want to do that. I want to apply it because it's about your heart and it's about how you, who, who is it you put your trust in and your identity. So, whoops, that's all right. See, I'm not well versed at doing this. And if this had been a church with 7,000 people in, I'm sure somebody would have run on now and picked up my little bits of paper. But it's not. Thank goodness. We're just normal people. Uh, so, Ephesians 6, 10 to 14. Ten, where are we? Dun, 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 dun. Right. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the walls of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take upon you the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand, withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Therefore, have, having your loins girded about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Those are the first two parts of the armour that Paul refers to. He didn't say put your boots on. He wanted to talk about two very, very critical aspects of our identity and our relationship with God. You can, if you could have a sword put in a scabbard and it's all loose and you're running into battle and it's flapping about and you trip over because you never secured it properly. You could have all the words of God, but if you don't know your identity and you're not rooted in love, you're going to make a bit of a mess of it. So the quiz, if you remember the quiz, 
Do you know the answer to number one? Without, now, who's looked on Google during this meeting and checked the answers? It was not 100 years. It was 116 years. Panama hats. Ecuador. Catgut. Sheep and horses. Russian Revolution. October Revolution. November. Camel's hair made out of squirrel fur. Canary Islands. Well, it's dogs. Canaris is dogs. Island of the dogs. King George VI, first name, Albert. Purple finch, crimson. Chinese gooseberries, New Zealand. 30-year war. Who, any, who knows that one? Any guesses? No, it was 30 years. It was 30 years. <laughs> so the point is here, you can read the Bible, you can say it's in the Bible, I believe it, but if you don't understand context, you're going to make mistakes. Okay? And every one of these, if you knew history, if you knew Latin, if you knew the, family, the royal family's rule that Victoria said, nobody can have the name Albert as king because that was my husband, and George VI's first name is Albert. If you know the background and the context, you're going to be able to interpret the Bible correctly. And how do you get that? By study, of course, but also the Holy Spirit. And I'm having chats with people, and, I, and one thing I'm coming back to, and I never used to, I would maybe a little bit more straight, this is what it says, and you do realise that there was 15 little studs on the bottom of a pair of shoes because you could get good grip and all of that. But the point is, the whole of the Bible is a love story from God to us. So things in the Bible that suggest that he hates us, that he differentiates between men and women, whatever, read, work out what Albert's, you know, George VI's real name is, because you put it into context. So John 8.32 states, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So what truth have we got to know? The world is full of my truth, your truth, our truth. We can all agree until you disagree with the other person's truth. And then all of a sudden, no, 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 you're not truth because I am. So it's not really that fair. As long as you're happy to do the emperor's new clothes situation and agree with everything and celebrate everything because it means that you're inclusive and it's all about truths but there is one truth and Jesus is the truth he is the way the truth and the life that doesn't mean we disrespect people it doesn't mean we get placards it doesn't mean we stand on soap boxes but we've got to know the truth based on who we are and who God is because one day we all have to be accountable to God don't we and me standing up here today it says you have to be even more accountable so I'm a bit of a chicken. I don't really want to go in front of God and say I bottled it. Now, we know Satan knew scripture because he quoted it at Jesus, but he didn't understand it. We know the Pharisees knew the Bible, well, the, the Torah, off by heart. But Jesus said to them, you don't know it refers to me. 
So it's getting behind the word and getting to the truth behind the word in the context in which it's said. In the King James, it says about girding your loins with truth. Now, there's two aspects to this. Where my weight has varied over the years, sometimes trousers have been tighter or looser based on the season. And sometimes, if I don't put my belt on tight, it's a little bit awkward and embarrassing, particularly if you're doing jobs in the garden and bending down. So there's one aspect of having the belt tight so it holds things in place and it holds your breastplate. If we're in the context of this, it holds the breastplate in place. But the other aspect of girding your loins with truth is referenced in Proverbs 31:17, where it's talking about a woman who needs to tuck her dress into her belt so she could run and not trip. Now, isn't that nice that your righteousness is secured through knowing the truth? And the things that can trip you up, you can cover in truth. So if you're running, for a woman particularly, and she's got her skirt, long dress, and, you know, she won't be able to run. So having it tucked in means that she won't stumble. And how true is that for us about not stumbling? Now, to get the truth, you've got to, when you pray and you read the Bible... You've got to do it with the Holy Spirit. You cannot just go, boom. I know, I mean, there used to be promise cards years ago when I first went to church. I, I, it was, I don't think it was really expensive, but you could buy a little box, and there was about 100 little rolled-up pieces of paper in it, and you could pick out a promise and stand on that promise. And how many disillusioned Christians have we ever had? Have you ever been disillusioned because that which you were promised has not come to pass? Because we've got to understand the word of God in the context of how it applies to us. And is it for us? Because some are not for us. Some are conditional. And the way you get that is through the Holy Spirit. You'll get that burning desire in your stomach, well I will say gut, but in your stomach, that you know it's truth. And the Ephesians did a lot of that right, because they tested people and found them to be liars. They did a lot of good, right things, but they lost their first love. So truth has to be measured against love. We're not here to just say, oh, do you know you've got a big pimple on the end of your nose? It's true, but it's not in love, is it? (laughs) So, but also seek wise counsel. Don't separate yourself from people and say, I'm going to pray every day, read the Bible for two hours, and now I've got it sussed out. Because there's a fine line between your soul and your spirit. And you've got to be able to differentiate it. So seek wise counsel and don't separate yourself from the body of Christ. So truth is fundamental with regards to being a successful, fulfilled and complete Christian. And that's why the belt is so important. Because it holds you together and it stops you from tripping. And that's what truth does. So let's move on to the, the breastplate. Of, it's really hard to say sometimes. I'll, I'll go into the chemist occasionally to get a, 
uh, some medication for Glennis. And I walk up and I say, I've come for a pres- Can I pick up a prescription? You know, like pick up a penguin. <laughs> and I really struggle with peas, or peas coming out. Anyway, um, the breastplate. Coupled with your mind, the heart is, is critical. The mind is where the signals come in. That's where the birds land. That's where chaos and confusion comes in. And later in this series, we'll be talk- oh, somebody will be talking about the helmet of salvation. But the heart is the core of your being. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, you must guard your heart. And if you don't, then you're going to be stressed and in error. And the way your heart gets messed up, because bear in mind, Jesus, through the new birth, we've got a new heart. It's not a heart of stone, it's a soft heart. But we've got, it's what we feed it. And it's about what we think and what we dwell on and what we nurture and what we start to believe and what we start getting angry because they never spoke to me or this happens and that happens. So we've got to guard our heart. And that's in love again. Nothing clever. Is what's done, or if you, what you want to say, is it, would you, if Jesus was there, would you say it to him? And if Jesus was standing next to you, would you go up to somebody else and say, hi, I'd just like to introduce you to Jesus, but by the way, I want to say this. Conversations would be very different, wouldn't they? So without truth, it's hard to know what you're guarding your heart against. So you need both. You need the belt, you need the truth, but you need the breastplate because it protects your vital organs. Yeah. It protects your heart. Because in Matthew 12, 20, 34, it says, from the abundance of a man's heart, so his mouth speaks. Um, Thumper famously said, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. That's in Bambi. No. <laughs> Just want to qualify, unless you think, who's this thumper bloke, you know? Is he a thug down in Park Parade? I'll just go off on one here, just for a sec. Quite a few years ago, I was a part-time policeman in heaven, and I was in heaven one night, early days, and these lads come up to me, you know, strolling like this, and, I was, and he said, do you know my mate? He's the toughest guy in heaven. I said... No, well, I didn't want to say I'm a special because then they punch me on the nose. Oh, well, you don't know anything. But I said, no, no, I don't often do this area this time. So he said, yeah, yeah, his name's Cornflake. And I said, "Um, he's not that serial killer, is he? And the bloke looked at me, shook my hand and walked off. Now, why I said that, I haven't got a clue. It might resonate with somebody if you've got a problem with cereals, unless it's moosely. So what do, do, we, do we gossip? What do we talk about? Do we say things from a position of love? Or is it to fulfill our frustrations, our resentments, our views on life that may not be inconsistent with the word of God, but we try and justify them? What are we saying and how are we saying it? And in the old days, it would have been in a room or in a field talking to somebody. Now it's on the internet isn't it? So, yeah, a much bigger record. But God doesn't need a, you know, to look on Facebook to see what you did. 
Philippians 3.9 tells us to walk our righteousness in faith. And Romans 14.17 links righteousness, peace and joy to being effective in the kingdom. So I want, and coming back to the point at the beginning of this, I really, really enjoy seeing your smiling faces and... Um, and particularly with people where I've had a chance to get to know them better and see them growing, it's, it's lovely. I don't need any platform for anything. I just want to get to know you <laughs> and encourage you and you encourage me. And that, to me, is what it's about. So the armour of God isn't there to pray fervently to get favour so you get the good parking space in Sainsbury's. It's not there to win a battle about your person at work. It's about, as was said, it's about fighting against principalities and powers and rulers in high places because they want to destroy you. That's it. They want to discredit God and they want to destroy you. And if we don't know the truth and we don't operate in righteousness with an identity that identity that's consistent with who God says we are, we don't, you know, it says we look in a, a mirror darkly, but then we will, know, we will know as we are known. That, let's try to make sure the gulf between our understanding and God's understanding isn't so great that we take a million years just saying, oh my goodness. I mean, we, the Bible's very clear how to grow in grace, how to grow in, you know, to be mature, to operate in power. You saw it with Paul. He didn't get treated very well, but he cast out demons, he healed the sick. When he went to Malta, he healed the daughter of the governor of Malta and then everybody else on the island. I mean, if we had somebody who had a sore finger in Park Parade and they got healed, we'd be jumping about for three weeks, wouldn't we? <laughs> So let's get things into context, and it's a challenge to all of us to say, don't look at this series on the armour of God as I'm going to just bring back what I learnt at Sunday school. Look at it from the perspective of it's about your heart, it's about knowing the truth, and all the other things that will be proceeding in the, few, the coming weeks depends on those two being rightly set. So... And I haven't got a clock, so I haven't got a Scooby-Doo, but I'm summarising. <laughs> so, summarising. We need to know God, not know about God, but know God. We need to know his heart through his illuminated word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to declare the truth to us. When it says in the Bible, his word is not returned void, it doesn't mean every time you quote the Bible, you get what you want. Because the word is Rima, which is the spoken, living word of God. And you've got to get that from the Holy Spirit. It's a case of God speaks to us, we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us to others. And if that chain gets broken, and it's me having a, a day where I just want to put somebody in their place, then there won't be any power in it. There is only one truth. Um, we don't have to fight behind the ramparts but we don't we don't um steve was saying last week we we don't we stand firm 
We tighten the belt so it doesn't slip, and we gird our loins so we don't trip. So if there's a little analogy, slip and trip, you don't want to do either, but it will stick in your head with regards to the, 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 belt, uh, the belt of truth. Guarding your heart is the essence of the breastplate of righteousness. Knowing you are righteous because of what Christ did on the cross and through his resurrection has to be truly believed, not just being given mental assent. We need, must have, it comes back to Psalm 91, though I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's about intimacy, and that's about love, isn't it? So the love is all the way through this. And if we just see it as a tool, you may love your circular saw or your hammer. But at the end of the day, it's a tool and it's about how you use it. And it doesn't respond to you if you use it wrong, does it? What Paul achieved at Ephesus was amazing. And like I said, we would have been uh, over the moon and would have repeated that, do you know 14 years ago on that Sunday at Family Church Haven, this happened, and okay, what happened since? But it has to be sustained. And we saw with the Church of Ephesus in Revelation 2, they lost the most important thing that they had, a personal, intimate relationship with Christ. Yet they did everything good. One day, we all have, everybody has to stand before God. Everybody. There's nobody gets a get-out clause. You know, pass-go or whatever, or get-out-of-jail-free card. Everybody stands before God. The principalities and powers do. Christians do. And non-Christians do. The focus and the type of judgment is different. But we are going to be judged by our works. But if you have not love, you are like a, a high-sounding symbol. The good works, the service, quoting the Bible, exposing error, can, if it becomes our mantra, deflect us from our primary purpose. To love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So... If it's half past one, I'm really sorry. If it's five to one, I'm not going to ding it out. But what I do want to do is I just want us to pray because I've sat through, you've all sat through so many sermons. And how many, if we all changed to the extent that the sermon was preached, we probably would be having outreach meetings for the rest of the day not as a group where one person does all the work, but all of us saying, I can't wait. Now that I've been refreshed in the company of my fellow believers, I'm off out. You wouldn't need counselling groups. So we've got to get to a point of living that which is truth and knowing our identity in righteousness. The righteousness that God gave us because his son, we got him. He, we gave him all our sins. He gave us the righteousness of God. So we've got our imputed righteousness. But we've also got to outwork it in faith. So I just want to suppose, just have a quiet few minutes just for people to calm their hearts, 
not to make a big show, but I just want Holy Spirit for you to just descend on people now. I pray, Holy Spirit, you touch people's hearts. You convict them of those things that need conviction. But unto righteousness, not unto judgment and condemnation. Because you love us and you want us to become that which you purposed us to be. Holy Spirit, move amongst all of us. Give us the courage and the boldness to stand for what we believe. Give us the courage and boldness to speak to somebody if we need help. And allow us today to move into a new realm of understanding of you because we understand that in ourselves there's nothing but through your righteousness we are fully accepted by the Father. And that fully understanding the truth of what you did on the cross and what you did through your resurrection to give us a new heart, to restore us to that position that you intended before the foundation of the earth. And that for each one of us, we have a unique, special purpose that nobody else can do. And I just pray, Lord, that we have this earnest desire deep within us to start to seek that. It doesn't come off of a tree easily. It's something that has to be nurtured, that has to be cared for, that has to be searched. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll give us that desire and that your love is not our natural love, but your agape love would well up within us. That sacrificial love that allows us to see past the sympathies, but towards the deep hurts of others so that we can be an answer in their time of need as you are to us. So I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I just pray that you'll bless everybody in the room, that they will rise up stronger and they will walk in victory as they further understand what your armour is there to do. Amen. I want to show our appreciation to Mark this morning. Thank you very much, Mark.